guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. And today we've got special guest, Bennett, as known as the exercise educator. So starting off with, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the industry? So I currently run operations globally for a company called RTS, which I'm guessing at this point, quite a few of your listeners are relatively well acquainted with. It, it seems to have come up in quite a few of the podcast episodes of yours that I've listened to. And honestly, I was really flattered and happy to be given a chance to chat to you guys because I love the way in which you explore it and talk about it with various parties and just look at the way that they've taken the science of it and, and how they apply it and how they think it it changes their perspectives or benefits them and their clients. So that was that was a big part of why I thought this would be a really cool chance to have a chat. And so that's that's what I do. I, I mainly um, focused on the growth of RTS internationally. And I just make sure that things run along smoothly and that things are growing. So I have a business partner called Dr. Mark Slavin, and he has, for as long as I've been alive, basically, been the international director for RTS. But because he was kind of operating on his own, he was very focused on just making sure that the quality of information that was being delivered was at the, not just of high quality, but at the right standard for the markets that we were teaching in. There's, you know, I don't think anyone would argue with you about the fact that there are varying degrees of maturity in the fitness markets around the world. So a lot of Mark's remit was just making sure that he was constantly delivering the right level of education to the right people, dumbing it down a little bit or making it a bit more basic while at the same time not losing the essence of it and not making it inaccurate just by making it simpler. So that's been a big part of his, his role and I've just kind of come on board to see if I can you know, stick a fire up the thing and it, it increase its, its reach and expansion. And in the process, I end up doing a fair bit of teaching myself because that's kind of how I first got involved with RTS, having taken the courses and then got asked if I'd like to kind of step up to a slightly higher plate and, and have a crack at that side of things. And that went well, and then that's kind of snowballed. And I've been incredibly fortunate with, I mean, just the community in general with RTS, but particularly with how welcoming um, I found the people in various stages and levels of it around the world. So things ended up snowballing at a rate that I never expected or intended, but here we are. And, uh, it's an absolute blast at the moment, so I'm really enjoying it. Oh, that's cool. I've seen like you've been traveling around a lot, and you was in the States, weren't you? With um, It's Oklahoma, isn't it, where Tom's based? And then you was in, is it, it was at Aldo's gym? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's, I spent a bit of time there. Um, I, America's incredible. It, it was, the first time I went to the States was to go and spend a bit of time with Tom during covid and then ended up getting stuck there and that was that was when i'd already become an instructor for level one which is kind of the most basic global course we deliver and it was you know it was part of the the process and i, I should have done it earlier but covid had, had come into play and i couldn't get there in 2020 so by the time i could it was 2021 and i went there to see tom and ended up getting stuck in the states for three months um and living with him and Mark Slavin was living with him at the time as well. So it was this just trio of mad scientists that, you know, there weren't many people in the gyms either at that time. And yeah, we, we spent a lot of time pissing around, training pretty hard and figuring out some, some cool stuff about how we'd maybe start to start to grow this thing a little bit more aggressively. Is that when they filmed the actual like exercise, like um, on the RTS um, exercise professional? That was before I got there, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was before my time in Oklahoma, which I'm probably quite glad about because that must have that must have taken such a toll. The doing 150 hours and like if you've heard any stories or for anyone who's spent any time around Tom, like he is a perfectionist to the most insane degree. I helped him on one of the trips there. Like this, this is the kind of the story that I feel like epitomizes his level of attention to detail. That the best is. <laughs> I went, I helped him move his gym from one building to the other, like literally next door um, when he was, when I was in Oklahoma. And when we, when we moved the facility and this place had been there for a while, like 15 years or something. So we went to the new, the new 
area that used to be a hairdresser's and he on his own like this man had gutted the place refit all the electricals air cons all that kind of stuff right he's an incredibly practical and handy man and when it came to the floor the previous place had been carpet but he didn't want to put carpet down because they get kind of like musty and gross especially in like a gym setting right and he wasn't too keen on the sort of bouncy rubber type stuff particularly because you know you know rts right it's not huge it's not a crossfit gym or it's not an animal flow functional fitness kind of gym right there's there's a lot of machines in there and so you're not super concerned about people dropping weights on the floor and so there is one area that's padded but the rest of it he painted it gray and then wanted it to have he had this vision in his head for this certain kind of like flowing blue brush stroke that would look kind of natural and like slightly organized chaos and but at the same time it would it had to look a certain way and he showed me how to do it the first time and then over the course of painting the floor I ended up doing four different versions because he kept telling me the previous one wasn't correct and and I was okay with that I'm like hey look we're, we're figuring this out I I have the utmost trust in the man because he's a freaking genius and he everything I've seen that he's envisaged I've like that's turned out really well. So I'm not gonna not gonna question you on your stripy blue floor swells. But the so he, he does that, and then I'm like, but by the end of that, apparently we figured it out. I then go the next day and paint over the blue, take it back to gray, and then I do that, do that one. And he's and he stands there looking at it for hours at the end of that day. I, I, I come in, I've, I've you know, gone to buy myself some food, I come back and he's just standing staring at the, the swells. I'm like, it's not right. It's not right. And then we paint it gray again and we go, I go over it again. He's like, no, it's not right. And I come in one morning and he's been in there since 4am in the morning, re blue swirling the floor. And at the end of it all, it looks banging, but it, it, there's no way I could have seen how good that could have looked. But there's also the, the whole time I was going, mate, we're going to put 45 machines on top of this. No one's going to see this swirly blue floor. Why are we putting this much effort and detail into some slurly, swirly? It, we're doing it with like a mop, the end of a mop, right? It wasn't like we had some technical painting technique here. We were sort of freehandedly brush stroking a blue mop around the floor. And I was like, no one's going to see it. No one's going to care. But the end result was perfect. And like, he spends quite a lot of time in that gym. I think he probably knew that, you know, and I can't verbatim quote him, but there was one of these kinds of re responses where someone goes, yeah, but I'll know. Like, just because they haven't noticed it doesn't mean I'm not going to notice it every single day that I step in this gym. And taking someone being that perfectionist about how blue they paint their floor and then having them film 150 hours of video content that's meant to epitomize the past, what was that, 2019. So that was exactly the 30-year mark since he started NASM's biomechanics content. To... To condense 30 years of everyone in the industry telling you you're mad and then try and put all of that into 150 hours online. But I cannot, cannot imagine how stressful that must have been, how, what a toll that must have taken on him and how, like, I, I know what he's like when he's thinking about things and he just must have been going like, whirring the whole time thinking about how to make things better, how to do things differently, how to say things more eloquently. Like, it, yeah, I'm really glad I missed that phase because... The man is a perfectionist, but with good reason a lot of the time. He's still updating those videos as well because I get that notification on the uh, on the site saying, oh, this video has been changed or it's been added to. So he's always on it. I guess he's always thinking, like you said, it's got to be perfect, doesn't it? It's It really, like that attitude really epitomizes a lot about RTS. The We've changed the format now for Global Level 1, but when I first started instructing for RTS in 2020. I'm quite sure that, yeah, so we, we do, we, we used to do this kind of this format where we do theory and practical mixed in together and it was a slideshow. And then occasionally you'd leave the slideshow and go and teach some practical stuff and then you come back to the slideshow. There were over 600 slides wow. that I had to get through in the four days. Considerably, actually. That might have just been, too, uh, the number was mad. But what was, what like that's not too bad once you've done it a couple of times right once you've been, and especially the i used to spend 10 like during the initial phases of covid i'd spend more than 10 hours a week with dr mark online 
him taking me through over and over and over again. And then him asking me random questions that a student might say when they saw that slide over and over and over again. And so I, I knew them pretty well. I knew these slides. And then I'd be standing there teaching and I press a button and it's a new slide that I've not seen before, or it's at a completely different place. And Slavin's gone, oh, actually this didn't flow last time. So we taught it so well. I'm going, and he's constantly adjusting every single slideshow presentation that we make going, oh, actually it would have been better if I'd said this there. As an instructor, it was absolutely impossible because you, you're getting in your flow. You're like, okay, next thing I'm gonna say is this. And there's a picture of something, someone doing something completely different on the board, like a photo you've never seen before. I'm going, right. Uh, so when you do bicep curls this way, uh, one of the repercussions could be, and just having to make things up on the fly. But it, again, it, and, and we've, we streamlined that because if we're trying to grow an education business, it can't be like that um, without taking away from this constant desire to achieve perfection. You know, the, there's there's iterating pointlessly and then there's iterating productively. So we've, we've changed that system a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the pair of them and, and everyone that I've known in that side of RTS and, you know, I think it comes it comes across with the students, right? Like once you guys have gone down the rabbit hole of going, oh, I'm not just watching people do exercise now. I'm trying to strive for that extra 2% of an exercise. Like that mentality is, it's, you know, every detail matters has seeped into every aspect of RTS's existence, really. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you're still getting, that we're still getting those updates because it's it really speaks to the, the process and the way they think about things. Leading on from that, like the conversation that we had before coming on about um, continuous education, if someone was new, say if they just done like the personal training qualification and they wanted to start learning a little bit more, where do you start with the biomechanics and the exercise mechanics? Just because I know how daunting it may be. So when you start mentioning names like resistance profiles, you're looking at anatomy, you're like, bloody hell, where do you actually start with this? Where would you start with someone? Before I answer that, can I ask kind of where you guys started with it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I started off by looking into like the topic around exercise mechanics with uh, Joe Bennett. So obviously he was posting those stuff on Instagram, YouTube, and I was like, ah, resistance profiles, strength profiles, this seems pretty cool. So I got into it like looking at it like that. Then I went a little bit deeper looking a little bit into anatomy. And I thought, how can I actually like learn more about this stuff? So I was looking everywhere. I was like, oh, he keeps mentioning the name RTS. I was like, what is that? So I searched it. And it came up with something like completely different. I was like, I can't find it. I was like, what is it? And um, end of the day, resistance training specialist found out what it was. And then I found Integra and then started off from there. And then obviously Michael runs that. And then it just grew. And yeah, we've done a lot of courses with them. I'm, I'm sure uh, RTS is a like uh like kind of what, what would you call it? like a tree surgeon company in Scotland or something. <laughs> so you might might have found that by mistake. Um, personally, I done the the M10 mentorship, which was great. You know, they they taught you kind of a little bit about everything. So so I kind of done my PT course, done the mentorship, which was six months long. They covered a, a variety of subjects, and with everything they done, they they kind of covered the, the scratch the surface sort of thing told you what you kind of really need to know and then said if you want to learn more about this go to you know so and so for nutrition it was precision nutrition for you know the exercise mechanics they then mentioned michael and tegra and they started talking about rts and then um, i never really took it too much on board there i was a little bit like okay this is cool but i never thought too much about it and then some guy that trains in the same gym as me he had been down to do um foundations with michael and i was like kind of i kind of looked into it from there and i was like yeah this, this seems like the right thing for me and i remember going that first call remember like michael done the like six calls before that first course i remember coming on the first one and being like what the fuck was that like because i'd done i'd done the m10 mentorship and it was so structured it was you know we're doing this this week and then we go away and study that and we'll come back and we'll talk about that and you know there was a structure every single week and we done the first rt not rts but foundations call with um michael and it was like there was no structure it was just so random and he just jumped about from thing to thing and i was just like what the fuck was that but it was great and the practical really kind of drove it home and obviously that's where james and myself actually met um at, at that course so yeah that's that's how the story starts did you so did you find it quite accessible the way that it was that it was shown to you i mean I, what i think is quite interesting um and absolutely 
no 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 shade at the way that they do things because I think M10 have an, an awesome system and setup there. But I think what's quite interesting about it is that and and maybe it's I'm I'm more looking at this as like what can I learn from that? The fact that you weren't sold on pursuing this based on the exposure that you got there. Because when I look at what our role is with, with global in particular, we we do this much more palatable version of the course in, in markets where people have got less exposure, they've had you know lower levels of previous education in, in fitness. And our goal is really to be like level one is meant to be the gateway drug to the rest of exploring RTS exercise mechanics, right? It's it's a super valuable sales pitch in a way to be like, look, guys, we're gonna we're gonna throw as much value as we can at you over the course of the next thirty hours, and then hopefully you go, shit, this has been amazing. Where can I get more of it? And so the only thing that makes that I wonder about, or was it? Do you think it was a reflection of kind of how ready you were to explore things at that point, or? Yeah, I was very, very fresh, I would say, to to learning in general. I am um, I'd done years of training in the gym, years of bodybuilding, things like that, but I hadn't really I hadn't really studied much. I, I got sold on the M10 mentorship through listening to Mark's podcast. And I'm glad I did. It was the best thing that ever happened because then you were learning all this stuff. And all of this stuff was so applicable for me because I, I knew how to train myself, I knew how to train for bodybuilding, but I didn't know how to train, you know, your average Joe. And that's that changed everything for me and the way that I do everything. So I think you know, everything that I was learning was very applicable. And then it came to the mechanic stuff and it was kind of at the end of the course. And it was kind of like, it was, it was like you'd, you'd learned so much. It's like, where do you go next? What is the next thing you really pursue? And somehow mechanics, as I say, became the thing. And then I think what made it more appealing for me, because I feel like from there, I picked it up fairly quick to, to a basic level. Like, don't get me wrong. I would say I'm no expert by any means, but to a basic level, I picked it up fairly quick. And uh, again, it was that instantly applicable thing that made it so appealing to me. You were going in the gym, like, you know, if you'd been on a call with Michael, you're going in the gym that night and you were doing something different with clients, you know, and that, that was cool. That was really cool. Yeah. And you get that, you get, you also get the, the instant reaction from it as well, right? Like you change something about someone's diet and you're, uh, I mean, they might tell you it now tastes like shit, but the you're not getting any more immediate feedback. You, you know, you might have to wait six weeks or to, to be able to really see the outcomes from nutrition and even the outcomes from changing stuff like programming, right? But I, I just uh, spent the afternoon training one of the locally one of the top natural bodybuilders, and he has his main lagging like body part is his middle deltoids, and so we were exploring ways that we could change his setup and his exercise design in order to like really focus on that. And it's not surprising that it's his lagging, lagging body part because he's got big anterior delts and big rear delts. And they just kind of, in most of his setups, they end up doing a lot of the work. And we found one that really not just lined up perfectly for the fibers and and we had to we had to actually create like a bit of a resultant between the weight of his arm and the resistance from the cable but then also had like a really nice profile to it. And all of a sudden you could just see his deltoid fibers dancing. I mean, it helps that he did it. He got his, he got his pro card two weeks ago. So he's fresh out of comp and he's still very leading, but you could immediately see the difference between his rear delts doing half the work, his anterior delts doing half the work on the second thing I tried. And, you know, the first two were botched attempts at trying to achieve this. But then on the third one, the fibers start dancing and the bloke is screaming by the end of his his set going i've never felt anything like that and in terms of i know i know we're meant to be about delayed gratification as, as as trainers but we're like it doesn't get more immediate than being able to completely change someone's exercise experience within the space of five minutes than doing something i actually talked about this to a client the other day a similar thing where she has a, a, a list of injuries that are this long and the, the number of exercises that she can actually do and progress without hurting herself is very small. So, you know, obviously we, we've we done a bit of exploring. She's very open to the exploring side of things as well. And, like, we find exercises that do work for her. But we kind of had that conversation, and we are actually talking about pricing, and she was talking about obviously charging, you know, for your value. And something that came up in that conversation was that, like, you know, one session where you're able to change something like that could change the trajectory, trajectory I can't even say the word, of their training for 
however many years the rest of their life almost by giving them those exercises that are appropriate for what they're trying to do the the tricky thing right with with charging for that value and i don't mean to go off on tangent but it's so tricky right when you know that you're someone that can achieve that sort of stuff with people and you have that and as a result you want to charge for that capability but then people come to you that don't need that and are confused by the fact that you are able to to achieve that and that can sometimes be like a bit like a bit of a difficult thing for the public to, to grasp right is that look actually what i'm capable of doing here because of how i understand this stuff and how much i've messed around with it is changing the trajectory of someone's training and just because yours doesn't need it doesn't mean that this isn't incredibly valuable. Yeah. But you get what you pay for in terms of like PT, don't you? Most of the times anyway, depending on how experienced or qualified someone is mm. or what, what uh, facility they're working at. Yeah. But you only get to that stage through that reinvestment. I would say um, like, you know, talking about the continued education thing, every time I've kind of up my prices, it's not because... I, I like it's not because I'm like busy or full or anything like that. Although sometimes you will obviously do that. It's more to do with the fact that like I've just invested a shit ton in myself, and you know over the last two years or whatever I've invested this amount, I can add a couple of quid on my session. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, right? It's like it's there's a lot of possible metrics or pieces that could come together to justify that that change in pricing. And the, the the crazy thing is that like you you'll know plenty of people that have done plenty of continuing education and not increased their value at all. Just like the people that say they've got 10 years of experience as a personal trainer and 10 years of experience watching people do things doesn't equate to shit. It, it equates to nothing relative to, you know, even I genuinely feel like there's a, a substantial number of people that make more progress in a year after receiving the right education and then deciding that they now want to apply it than plenty of others will make in 10. But doing the same shit with like for the 10, for 10 years, we've each and every client like walked through the door. You've yeah. not like continued your ed education, not invested in yourself and the courses and you're just doing the same shit. And then it's totally what you mean by in a year, you can literally gain so much knowledge compared to that personal trainer just because they've got 10 years experience. It's 10 years shit experience. But what does that do for your confidence as well? Because something that RTS has given me is confidence in the fact that, like, again, that girl comes in and she says, well, I can't do a squat because it hurts my knees. You, you've then got the, the skill set to explore that rather than just say, oh, okay, you can't squat. Let's try the leg press. It's you're thinking, well, why is that squat bothering our knees, and what is it about that squat, and how can we get the same outcome without this the same outcome on our knees? Essentially, the same outcome in terms of results, but without a shit outcome on our knees. Um, and that, like I'd say, that gives me a lot of confidence as a coach, having went through all that. And if you hadn't done that, you just be like, oh shit, I don't know. Um, let's hope some. Let's hope James puts a post up on Instagram that explains this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds. Sorry, man. Go for it. I'm just gonna say you need that confidence as well, right? Like, yeah. it, for the most part, if you're training, like a personal trainer doesn't have many clients that are, you know, that don't have much money, haven't achieved many things, don't know many things about many things. Like most personal trainers don't have poor, ignorant clients. They've got people coming to them that are usually pretty good at whatever they do with the rest of their time. Hence, why they've decided it's in their interest to spend. 70 100 170 quid on optimizing their time in the gym and if the person who's talking to them isn't confident about it one they'll just bully it bully them or two they they won't buy into what they're trying to get them to do on a, on a call with a bunch of coaches today we want one of them asked like what do you do when a, a client isn't willing to do x y and z even though it's what they need to do in order to progress and it's one of those where you go well geez i mean how has that relationship happened? Yeah. How, how have you gone to this point? It's, um, you look at it, that's that optimal sort of thing, isn't it? So this is 100% optimal for the client, but the client really dislikes all the exercises that are on it. And then you've got preference on the other side. So you need to sort of meet in between and gradually ease away from some of their preferences and get them to learn or like or know why you want to do the optimal sort of stuff with them. But again, optimal could be, 
their preference. So it's, yeah. it's a weird word that, isn't it? It's getting so like misused in the fitness industry. So optimal could be reverse banding and like a hack squat or using in daisy chains and cuffs, but or it could be just a simple bicep curl. I'm a preacher or something like that. Something easy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny, right? When the words that I try and use and get trainers to think about is like efficiency, efficient. Like if, if something's efficient, then how is it efficient? Because something's inefficient if you end up with an incredible resistance profile relative to the person's strength and they have got, you know, they're in a straight jacket strapped to an upside down bench and there's nowhere they can go. But if it's taking you half an hour to set it up, that's an inefficient use of that person's time, right? Like they are, they're paying us for efficiency effectively. And we need to be able to deliver that over the course of a session. And then so like, okay, is this exercise efficient or not? But then also, is it productive? Is it the best use of the time relative to the outcomes we're going to achieve? And a really bad outcome is a client no longer going to the gym. So, you know, one of the outcomes we're trying to achieve is consistency and adherence. And if if something is optimal, then that's that's by no means guaranteed, right? They, they, don't, they don't give a shit about the profile. In fact, a lot of the time, the profile makes an exercise more miserable for them. That's it. But there's uh, we work a lot with online clients, and we have like um, clients coming to us of like previous coaches, not naming any names or anything like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I can see their previous plan, and they've got all that crazy exercises that's going to take like five ten minutes to set up. I was like, was you doing these? I was like, oh no, I was just using the machine instead because they have no idea what I'm doing. So they, they're quite new to the gym, like first year of training. These are just like gem pop clients as well. And they've got programmed all these crazy exercises, which are pretty cool, but it's just going to be a pain in the ass to set up. I was like, these are not like applicable at all to that client. So yeah. again, it's that optimal thing. They did not enjoy that one bit. And that's why they left that coach. Yeah, they're doing supersets between the first and the third floor and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> set on the bottom of the floor, but set on the top. <laughs> it's like um, I work with busy professionals, but you make the program as complicated as fuck, and these busy professionals don't <laughs> have time for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like one of those uh... things. Like you, you touched on earlier. Um, you're talking about the fact that like matching your strength profile and resistance profile actually makes it more miserable. That is something that is so misunderstood within like I would say Instagram because uh, again name no names but there was a post going about the other week about reverse band and hack squat making it easier it's like you just don't get it. if that's what you're saying you just don't get it. <laughs> you've never done it properly <laughs> wow yeah that couldn't be further from the truth they make every inch of that rep more dis disgustingly harder to, to be fair there will be people out there who again don't get it and like obviously apply far too much band tension and do just make it easier for themselves in a sense because they're you know bouncing out of the bottom anyway and they're just you know making it make they are essentially making it easier so they can shift more load but like again they don't get it either you know both sides of that equation just don't get it yeah and they consistently like it's crazy right you know again the amount of time i've spent with tom and mark just being like it's wild how long this stuff has been around and it's been underestimated and it's just so easy to underestimate stuff you don't understand. Yeah. And to just sort of brush it off as being, being a load of nonsense. But yeah, I mean, that that profile side of things, it, it's funny. Um, when Sometimes when we teach the, like, the exercise continuum and, and how you might you know, move in either direction with a client in order to progress them in some sort of way. But and it, a lot of the like, relatively clever things I say are actually just the product of good questions from intelligent students that have uh, thought about something that I didn't think about. But the once we kind of got asked like, okay, but how does, how does profiles like fit into that? And, you know, you could genuinely view profiles as a form of progression. If, if someone's just getting challenged in, in say the shortened range, like that might be all that they can cu currently tolerate. And you still want to push them to a relatively high degree because otherwise they're not coming back next week. If, the, if they came here for a good workout and you got them to do the perfectly profiled exercise, you're going to have to get them to do RPE three because they'll be buggered otherwise. Cause they're, they're, they're technically being maximally challenged throughout the entirety of their rep. So 
if you if we're then looking at like that side of things and and really understanding the applications of profiles and, and optimal then we've also got to be kind of conscious of the impact of optimal on someone this this bodybuilder i was working with earlier we got to the end of two sets of delts right we did two working sets of delts and with him actually the two sets involved a mechanical drop set not a mechanical drop set from people just fucking whipping the world the, the word around on Instagram, like helicoptering the world around on instagram but like actual mechanical drop set where he kind of slid down the bench a little bit with each of his rep like with each portion of his uh set so that it got slightly easier and slightly easier in the shortened range right and by the end of two sets he was absolutely toast he's like dude i genuinely don't think i could do another set of anything shoulders related and then he goes can't imagine what that must be like as part of a full session i'm like mate you've done a full session trust me that like tax wise we've just done six sets of shoulder work relative to kind of like what you're used to because we went optimal but if i was then going to try and convince him that like if i was actually his trainer and not just someone he brought in to kind of geek out about a specific thing right but if i was his coach sorry and i was the one doing all of his programming that wouldn't work there's no way this person is going to be super keen on doing two sets of delts the, the thing that he thinks he's meant to be working on and then leaving it at that that's not optimal and it's counterproductive to, to go to that level of intensity with that sort of profile and also kind of with an intensifier in there as well. Like it's, it might be optimal, but again, it's not productive. And so there's so many aspects of this stuff that even the people that learn it and think they get it then misperceive when it comes to the actual application of it. Definitely. I think it's been like butchered a lot of the stuff that's come from RTS on social media and people just batting the word resistance profile, not knowing what it means or how they can actually apply anything with that, you know, into some sort of context. You see it all the time, don't you? And they don't understand where it's come from either. And yeah, that's social media these days for you. It's well, just a magnitude profile and not even yeah. a resistance profile. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. Context was the important word there, James. I think that's it. That nothing is really applied. And it's hard to do it on social media as well. It's hard to actually apply every possible scenario. But yeah, context is key when it comes to this stuff. And yeah, a lot of them don't get it. You see them talking about length and range challenge, this length and range. Well, they don't even say that. They just say, this is a really good one for the length and range. This is a really good one for the shortened range. But they don't understand if there's actually a challenge in that range. They think just because they're in the shortened range, they assume there's a challenge. But maybe there's not. But either... I had an argument, well, it was some, somewhat of an argument with a coach saying, oh, he's well-known like known coach in the industry in the UK and saying, oh, you should be only doing like lengthened exercises or say lengthened partials. I was like, yeah, but for who? Because if someone's just going into like someone like a gen pop client, think about how much like muscle damage and <laughs> it's going to cause. They will not tolerate that. And it was like, oh, no, that's the best way of growing muscle. This study by um, something Wolf, can't remember, he's doing loads of stuff with like casts as well over in the States on length and partials. And that's the big trend now, isn't it? But that does not apply to 99% of people because all these studies are just irrelevant because it's such a broad amount of people who you work with. And, oh, I mean, God, we could go off on this for ages. But like even, even that stuff, right? That's that those 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 are studies being done on people that have probably primarily based on the way that machines are generally designed, been getting too much stimulus in the shortened range and never really being challenged in the lengthened range. And so, you know, they're failing to even consider, well, what okay, that might be the, the novelty that you see from suddenly applying that. But what if you took people that had always been doing lengthened range stuff for the past four years and went, okay, now let's see the difference between that and shortened range stuff? Like there's there's just so many so many holes to poke in this stuff without context and studies very rarely include context and i mean it's it's a it's a big reason why rts has never really had an instagram presence we've we've started getting a little bit more into that now but you know for so uh, immediately when when i got involved three years ago there was this you know guys why aren't we why aren't we doing this like social media thing again like what, what's the What's the situation here? And but it, it doesn't take long before you try and put a video together and go, okay, cool. No, well, well, I can do a social media video. Perfect, cool. I'll do one. And then you go, oh, right. So that had no context. 
anyone that watched that would now think they know it and actually they haven't got a Scooby. And all I've done is created the same problem that we have with the rest of the content that generally gets put out because you then, or, or you put up that, so you go, okay, fine, let's go back to square one. Let's make something that's got really good context. And that's, you know, in-depth enough to convey the subject matter appropriately while not being too categorical about anything because, you know, we don't want to give people the answer or the impression that they know the answer. So let's make this piece of content and then it gets 35 views and you go, oh shit, okay, right. Well, that's not the secret to talking about exercise mechanics on social media. Uh, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear, well, some of the things that you might consider when designing an exercise for someone, depending on X, Y, and Z are A, B, and C, but no one's going, oh, got to send that to all my friends. That's exactly like what I, I used to do that with my social media about like a year or two ago. And I realized that my followers were going down. I wasn't getting the engagement and I wasn't getting like the inquiries coming through or anything like that. Again, because we work online with um, clients as well, as well as being yeah. in the gym. Um, so I thought, all right, I need to do something about this. So I tried making it as simple, as dumb as possible. And then the audience started growing, the likes started going up, they could relate to it even more. But it's about like conveying that how to the context with that those posts like you said without feeling like you're i don't know doing you've got to play the game to some degree don't you yeah you've got to play the game but you've got to be very like specific with the way you do it and sort of insinuate these more which it is and, and yeah and, and, and ethical right i think it's also it's very different um if if the if the information that you're putting out there is for clients it's actually quite a bit easier in order to like to tread that line because you can make things basic and a lot of the time that's what they want and that's what they need right they need the basics that's they don't know they don't even know they don't know the basics and actually the only the main difference between your clients and trainers is clients know they don't know the basics whereas trainers think they do so the basics are actually deemed valuable even though they'd be valuable to everyone they're deemed valuable to clients and so that works in that situation and but then, yeah, when when it comes to when it comes to trainers, like, in unless you're making them feel like they're having some sort of epiphany, and they've been doing things wrong, or unless you're making them feel like their favorite idol educator has said something wrong, and you're disagreeing with it, and oh my god, you must be so clever because you think that they're wrong, then like, then they're like, oh yeah, it's just someone else talking about squats, like mm, bothered. I've heard other people talk about squats. What are you bringing to the table? It's it's I I. I even though I have a problem with it, it's not a problem where I can't understand why people have gone down that path. And especially if you know you're trying to make a buck and put food on the table, you're just going, well, my my lead gen's drying up. I'm just gonna you know throw the ethics out the window and see if I can bring a bit of cash in. And I think it's it's really cool that especially like trainers like yourselves have figured out the secret source where you can you can know enough to be simple in your head. And you need to know so much in order to talk about stuff simply, right? Yeah. So you've gotten to the stage where you, you know the subject matter well enough that you can confidently talk about it simply. You can talk about it simply and it comes across clear while at the same time, you've got the confidence to talk about it simply and not have this ego thing where you're going, oh, but then everyone will think I'm simple because I talk about simple things. Like you're going sodom. Like, I know my shit. I'm just choosing not to be a wanker about it on social media. Like that's, it, it takes getting to that stage. And, you know, this ties back into that, that element of being sufficiently educated where you, it takes getting to that stage to be able to make that kind of content and it resonates with people. It's clear to people and you're confident with delivering it in that way. And it, and it, and it suits and drives your business. The, the, the more you simplify it, the more, you know, about that topic, I guess, because you need to break it down, make it easy, don't you? If you're going to teach it, it's such it's such a challenge. It is it regardless of the context in which you're doing it, whether you're doing it to clients or, like in my case, doing it to trainers. That I mean, we're we're teaching a course in Cambodia next month, and there is not a CPT provider in Cambodia, so not a single one of the the trainers in Phnom Penh has unless they sort of, I don't know, moved to the States for a couple of years, got certified and come back, that kind of thing, or unless they've genuinely gone somewhere else. But basically 90% of the market has no formal 
personal training education. Wow. And so we're teaching, and we're teaching RTS to them. And it's, it's such, I mean, like, I love it. I, I relish the challenge of, and I, and I love it when I say something and they give me a, like this look like the fur, because that's an opportunity for me to go, you're doing this badly. You're, you're, you're saying this badly. And like, just, just because the last people I, I tried to convey this stuff to got it, doesn't mean I did it well. It just means it wasn't so shit that they couldn't understand it. And then when you're forced to teach it to people that have got no background in this stuff and you've really got to make it clear and concise because lots of fancy waffly words just get in the way of, it's just like queuing, right? You, you, the secret is not more words. So those kinds of challenges, I think, especially when we like, is it, is it Michael who does this kind of thing? This this thing where you've got like, you've got three words or something to try and get someone to to do an exercise. Yeah, the queuing on it. Yeah, it's yeah. done so least words as possible. Yeah, yeah, and those those are great exercises in in kind of any aspect of applying your trade or teaching in in various like levels, tiers, whatever of exercise teaching. Is it's like if you can if you can challenge yourself with that as the goal, it's it's pretty effective. No one no one wants waffle. Well, that's I've seen um, trainers in the past where you know they're training someone and you know they, they just keep saying things and they use the bigger words and you know they're almost just trying to fill a gap to themselves and their confidence you know it's like look at me I know all these fancy words and look at oh just slightly slightly move that and you know they're just like they're saying these things to make themselves seem smarter I've seen a lot of that think yeah. science speak client yeah it's a good I was one. actually talking about you James <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the, i think the, the the really interesting one for me is getting to that stage as well where with with that queuing you can you, you'll watch a client and not say anything the whole time and i've got one who just has this thing where if, if there's five reps and I haven't said anything, she looks at me and goes, am I doing it right? I'm like, focus, fucking let's do the set. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so she's the one where I know that I have to just keep saying, like literally anything. I could just start naming animals and she'd be fine as long as I said something every five reps. But for the most part, like if, if, you've, if you've coached him pretty well, then, and if they're in the zone that day and they're not think you know, they're not getting distracted and forgetting a cue that you need to just kind of remind them about, you should be kind of able to coach in in silence other than reminders you know once if, if you've been working with someone if they've been doing that exercise for enough time it's just shut up and let them get on with so you just gotta meet where they're at aren't you as in like what relates to them in terms of a cue as in like sort of creating that cue on the spot like they're going to visualize yeah yeah i mean it it's quite mental to me that I spent so much time probably at this point six months in total with Tom Purvis as my training buddy and I mean again being a perfectionist he doesn't doesn't just we don't just train and he just lets me be a twat with it right like he ends up coaching me a lot of the time and especially when it, when I was new there like in, in the in the little family and I was quite quite fresh and while I was able to teach the information the, the main reason I was able to teach the information so soon and so quickly is I'm a mechanical engineer so my first exposure to this stuff which was level one and that was with Slavin and I didn't even want to be there I was I was literally attending because I like just like you James I saw something on Joe Bennett's story and someone said what location what should I do and he's like RTS everything else is a waste of time I was like this is the only guy who I think speaks sense on this platform and that's the thing he says and then Slavin was coming to town and a lot of the guys on my team were attending I was like gotta go now I can't be the one who didn't so I went and then he starts he says talk within like half an hour I'm like shut the front door what has just happened like so and then he opened Pandora's box and like the next four days I was an absolute thorn in his side because I just wouldn't if I went 10 minutes without putting my hand up he'd look at me and go 
nothing, no, no, you're good. And I was just like constant with it. And so I was able to, like it all clicked. All I had to do was kind of go away and brush up on some of my anatomy stuff and I could teach this to trainers, but my own execution and my own intensity, I just wasn't used to what that could be. And it, it takes having, you know, one of the reasons why I think going to Oklahoma is incredible is using Tom's kit, using that stuff that is where the profile is so well matched, especially on like the pulling exercises. And it, it's literally like you've got to rewrite the files in your brain that are what you think exercises and how you think it does it. Because you're going, you get into the bit that's usually meant to be the easy bit. And suddenly it feels like your fingers are being ripped off your arms. And you're going, what? Well, well, hold on a second. This is the hard bit now. And so, and you never get that with, like you can ban shit or whatever, but you don't get that with most pulling stuff unless you really tinkered around with some equipment. So it was like going through that and then having Tom train me and me just be going through a set and say nothing. And, and then it's getting really hard and out of nowhere, he just goes, stay calm. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like, this leg press feels like it might crush me. And my eyeballs feel like they're coming out of my head. And I've got the godfather stuff like watching me. And the one thing you've got to tell me is stay calm. I'm anything but calm right now. But like even just having like that experience and then also seeing what massive difference it makes when you stay calm and being able to translate that to clients is like, yeah, it's that that communication side of things and you know the the, the stuff that we ended up talking about at Integra the other day and the amount of emphasis that Michael puts on it with the sort of continuing education that he, he does is it's like all this wanky science stuff goes out the window if you can't convey it appropriately to someone and package it in a in an enjoyable environment that they buy into right that's it and then you start having arguments with people on social media like I did myself shouldn't have even done it I saw it in a bit and I had to put a comment <laughs> and it was like yeah but this study says this I was like yes but it's not applicable it's like yeah, but this, that, and the other about these studies, and it was like, there's nothing to prove that matching resistance profiles like makes you gain more muscle. And I was like, I don't uh, think in in what the what have I been doing this? Three, I've been only been doing this three years now. To be fair, it's not long, but like in the three years I've been doing this, I don't think I've ever fucking quoted a study to anyone. You know that? No, neither. I, no, I, knew, I, do, I quoted a nutrition one about like protein. I think that was very like applicable though. Um, that was like. <laughs> It's like a meta analysis about like um how much protein you, you can intake and whatnot. I think that's the mo that's the best study I've I've read that you can actually apply. You know, um, TikTokers love a study. You know that you put something up on TikTok and you get hit with studies straight away. Oh god, <laughs> well clear of that that world. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, the, the training studies are an absolute nightmare in terms of oh you need to do this specific amount of sets for your max recoverable volume or the minimal effective volume you got to be doing this yeah but like joan who's 57 at the gym did one set and a quad's absolutely fucked so how does that relate to that study <laughs> yeah i mean it's just unless 57 year old joe was in the study it's really irrelevant right i mean and I mean, hey, if someone wants to come and do a study or do what would probably require 17 studies with all my clients, good luck to them. But like, I've got that and it's in my notebook and it's just a record of the shit that I've done with them in the past and what worked and what didn't and what they seem to be able to tolerate and what they can't. Like, it's, it's kind of bonkers, but it, I mean, it, it is what it is. I think it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to be discouraging of it because the, the premise of science is that you're meant to keep you're meant to keep like looking for answers right you're meant to keep trying to prove things wrong part of the issue you've got with a lot of the studies in the exercise space is that a lot of the time it's people trying to prove themselves right it's trying to, yeah. there's tons of tons of studies that are funded by confirmation bias and so it's like that is a, a difficult aspect of things to kind of navigate and you know it's I was, I was thinking earlier about the the stuff you the stuff you talked about in terms of the continuing continuing education. You could argue that it shouldn't really be necessary. For example, when I went to engineering school, I didn't then leave three years of university and get told I have to go on a, on a course to learn engineering or learn more things about engineering every six months for the rest of my career. 
but that would just be mad. But I just studied science for three years. So for the most part, I kind of know it. And then you go work for different companies in different fields and learn how to specifically apply that stuff, the science to that stuff. And you, you end up specializing, right? So it, it, there's an element to it where 100%, the continuing education is ridiculous because really you should just be able to go to university for X period of time or some sort of formal education for X period of time that's longer than a weekend and be a personal trainer. So the bar is stupidly low, but at the same time, it is much younger a science. Things are going to develop things are going to be discovered. And that's really the, the, the point and the name of science. And so there definitely should be that element to things. And I mean, what's, what I think is mental is that, so I've done mastery twice now. And on both, I've done mastery twice. I've done foundations. On foundations, two of the lads in the room were there for, one was there for the second time, one was there for the third time. Then I think, on mastery i've never been to mastery where there's not been at least two of the six people in the room there for at least the second time the last one the bloke was there for his like 18th time or something mental wow. yeah he lives he lives in texas and he drives up at least once or twice a year and does at least one of the three-day modules like and has always done that for as long as he's been around and it's and i mean he's done it so much that tom was getting to the end of the day and looking to him and going we were saying and he goes, I mean, you might want to explore that thing. That was pretty cool last time you did it. And Tom goes, oh, fuck, yeah, cool, let's do that. And then we go off and do that. Like that That's how much this guy had been to Mastery. So it was, it, it's one of those things where just because you've heard it once doesn't mean you, it's necessarily sunk in and you can apply it consistently for the next 20 years of your career. And... You know, people moan about the CEC or CEU points with like your your ACE or your NSM and all this kind of crap. And then, but at the same time, I'm like, what, what are you moaning about? I thought you wanted a standard. I thought you wanted people in our industry to be better educated. You're bitching and moaning about the fact that you've got to go and do more study than the 20 hours on a weekend you did to, to get this certificate. Like, how? hold on a second. You've got, you've got to pick and choose one here, right? You can, if you want to moan about that, then go and start a university course that lasts two years and teaches people mastery level RTS, teaches people MNC, MAC, whatever it is, like level nutrition courses or PN2, and then a, like, a, I don't know, habit or what's it called? NLP type course or something yeah. for the like, side of things. Like go and, go and start a two year course for that or shut the fuck up and go and actually do some education and the only thing you might moan about is the fact that sometimes the places you go and get that stuff doesn't like allow you to top up your your credits. I was going to like stay from that. It totally depends on what education learning and what like certification or qualification it is because there's a, a lot of shit out there. Again, not naming names, there's a lot of shit qualifications that I've done. And even like I've been to university for like for three years, done like strength and conditioning, and I'd say that's one of the worst places I've learned from. Just it is literally one of that. I've still learned the jumper, but it's still like one of the worst places to learn from. Um, for me anyway, because I was working with some athletes because it's mainly centered around strength and conditioning, and there yeah. was uh, rugby union athletes, and they was doing what was it? They was doing an overhead um squat, and then one of the the athletes they couldn't get in that position. And they were saying, oh, what would you do in case you can't get in that position? And, oh, just do as well as you can do. So they're there with the bar like that in front of them. It's like, oh, no really? And I was like, I, I didn't do RTS at the time. So I was still like trying to understand exercise mechanics. It's like, there's something not right there. And then there's a client who was doing, um, what was it called? Was there no one in the room saying foam roll is lats? It probably was. <laughs> it is, or, or get Feraband. You got a Feraband. James was saying it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then there was someone doing um hang high pull, which saw it gets into the same position as like an upright row, and the guy was like, Oh, my shoulders hurt in doing this. And again, I spoke to the lecturer and I was like, He's having an issue with his shoulder, it's exercise. Um, what they do was like, I'll oh, just go lighter, it's fine. Cool, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's just not that went, there's something wrong about this. And then when you start looking at anatomy and then getting stuck into things like RTS and you start realizing internal rotation and abduction, it's probably not the best for someone who's got like a shoulder issue anyway. So and a lot of momentum. 
yeah, literally thrown it into that position. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where the context comes in again as well, doesn't it? Like how you're doing it, not just what you're doing as well. Um, but I, I think something interesting that you said, Benny, was the fact that you know just because you learned something once doesn't mean you fully took it all in. I've actually I started wa- watching back the you know the RTS videos again, um, especially because the site's been done up as well. And I like how it says yeah. you know you've completed this one, you're getting through this section. Um, so I'm like you know what I'm going to tick them all off again, just go through them all again. So yeah, it's always good to there's stuff that you miss, especially in those videos because there is so much that he covers in them. There's so much that you miss, but I'm I'm in the midst of the one thousands at the minute, so it's very much opinion stuff. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through the uh, subscription section where he's putting the videos there, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, have you gone to that, Connor? Yeah, yeah, I've watched some of that as well. Yeah, it's um, it is it's, it's very insightful to see how they like cover mastery in that as well. I like some of those stuff as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely jumped on that. There's there's a lot to look at there, isn't there? Yes. Have you guys got plans to do mastery at some point? I know, I know I've spoken to you, James, about like your intended timeline. Was it sometime next year? I wanted it. It's just the pricing, and I'm, I want to buy a house, so I'm trying to like think when can I do it because I priced it up. I was like, and then my girlfriend's like, right, we need to buy a house. And I'm like, oh, what can I do? Mastery we talked house. about it, haven't we? We, we definitely <laughs> talked about it, but um, it's just I suppose it's picking the time and getting it done, isn't it? That's it. Also, I mean. Especially the level to which you've explored stuff with Michael, it's it's really one of those things that I don't even know if there's necessarily that much urgency to it, right? Like at, at this stage for you guys, certainly in terms of what you can apply to ninety eight percent of your clients, like you're, you're probably not going to see a massive difference because of how how deeply you've gone into stuff with Michael, and then the fact that you're also like judging by the kind of the content I've seen from you guys and the the approach you seem to discuss this stuff with, like you're not also just going, oh yeah, that was cool. Glad I did that. And then carrying on with it. Like you're, you're constantly using it and thinking about better ways that you can use it. And even ways in which you probably think it's like certain things are a load of nonsense, right? And, or they're just not practical or whatever, right? But at least being analytical and applying it in the process. And so, you know, go into mastery. I, I, I think for a lot of people, it should be kind of like a career objective. If like, if you plan on being in the fitness industry for 10 years, at, at that 10 year point, it's, you should have gone to mastery. Like that's where I think the sort of timeline sits, but kind of a, like if, or certainly if you started exploring some RTS stuff within the next 10 years, you should then go to mastery. But like, it's probably, it, it's an incredible experience and, you know, Tom's not getting any younger, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I think is is long. I uh, probably, you know, buying a house and getting your family established is slightly. Yeah, we we, we talked about it, and, and I think what I said to James is like going to mastery. It's for me. It's not really for the clients. It's for me. You know, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interest thing more than anything. Like, you've got all it's that kind of stuff. That's what I want to go for. I think it's meeting some, getting that experience of going over there, and then seeing where it all like originated from, and. Again, just learn it. It is literally it's like a journey to Mecca, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what I call it. Yeah, I call it Mecca. It really is. Like, and he, he's so good about sort of showing you some of the the history type stuff. Sometimes, like, if you if you crunch through some of the content, like he he's even taken one of the groups I was with to his storage facility to look at like some of his really old bits of kit that he's got lying around in there. Like, it's just I think it really is nice to kind of see where a lot of this stuff that you really appreciate has, has come from. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's very much, I think another, another point of which can be quite beneficial if it is for you is it's like, if you feel like you're, you're losing your spark a little bit and you need something to, to perk you up and really get you passionate about things. Fires again. you up, doesn't it? Going to some of these in-person courses, it does just like you come back with that fire in your belly again. It is, it is good, to be fair. And that's where we're lucky with Michael being so close as well. Like, you know, it is, for me, it's a one-hour plane journey. I don't know about you, James, what, a few hours ago. I was on the train. It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Until, until you get delayed and stuck in London for a night, that's not fun. Last time I got to the airport and the flight just got cancelled and that was it. That was me stuck and I had to go from London City Airport to Heathrow, which is a bit of a journey apparently, as I found out in my seventy quid taxi. 
<laughs> I'm going to have to shoot off, guys. Take it to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to shoot off, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys want to keep going or do you want to just kind of call it quits to that? We can wrap it up here if you want. I know you might be busy for time and I'm not sure what time you're getting on in Malaysia. Yeah, it looks dark. PM and I think my videographer wants to go to bed, so we'll, uh, <laughs> probably a good time to, to wrap things up. That's okay. cool. I appreciate you coming on. It's been a really insightful and we've gone through a lot of stuff anyway. It's gone like, yeah, well over an hour now, so no, it's been good. Mate, I've, uh, I, I, again, like massively appreciate you guys reaching out and, and making this happen. And uh, it's, again, I, th I think this this community of people that actually give a fuck about deep diving into the thing that we're all supposedly meant to love, right? This, this aspect of exercise and changing people's lives with it. And it, it, it continues to impress me the, the way it's kind of created a community. And even by like listening to a lot of your pods where I know the source of a lot of those people are the connections that you've made through RTS. I just, yeah. Just like pretty much everyone that's been on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. That, that fellow with the uh, studies on next time. Oh, yeah, I'll make sure to ask. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get one for a debate. Wait, it's an echo chamber, otherwise, you've got to mix it up. Very <laughs> good content, though. Break them into reels. <laughs> we'll have notes ready for that one. We'll have our arguments ready. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> well, thanks again, Benny. We'll wrap it up at that.